welcome to Kessler Foundation's 2017 Multiple Sclerosis Consumer Conference, Improving Cognitive, Emotional, and Physical Health in Multiple Sclerosis. This conference is hosted by Kessler Foundation and is being funded by the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, grant number 1508-05940. This presentation was recorded and produced by Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation, on Friday, October 13, 2017, at the Westminster Hotel, 550 West Mount Pleasant Ave, Livingston, New Jersey. Be sure and check out all of the conference presentations. Just click on the description for the conference playlist and slide link. Our first panel discussion, Fatigue, Motivation, Physical Activity, and Social Cognition, included Drs. Glenn Wiley, Ekaterina Dobrikova, and Helen Genova. Dr. Wiley is a leader in the application of neuroimaging technology to better understand cognition, is Associate Director of the Rocco Ortenzio Neuroimaging Center at Kessler Foundation. Dr. Wiley's research focuses on cognitive fatigue and cognitive control in neurological populations. Dr. Helen M. Genova, an expert in the field of cognitive impairment in MS, is a Senior Research Scientist at Kessler Foundation. Dr. Genova uses magnetic resonance imaging to examine cognitive fatigue and interventions to treat it. She spearheads Kessler Foundation's research on social cognition. Dr. Ekaterina Dobrikova is an expert in cognitive neuroscience and a research scientist in our traumatic brain injury department at Kessler Foundation. Using magnetic resonance imaging, Dr. Dobrikova examines the influence of performance feedback on learning and how learning through feedback is affected by depression and fatigue. Moderator for our panel discussion is Michelle Pignatello, Chief Development Officer of Kessler Foundation. She is responsible for raising philanthropic funds to advance Kessler Foundation's rehabilitation research and disability employment initiatives by finding connections and building relationships. She has more than two decades of experience guiding philanthropy in support of charitable institutions. Let's listen in. Welcome back. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I hope you had a great lunch. And uh, for those of you who submitted your questions in advance, we divided them uh, based on subject between panel one and panel two, which will be later in the afternoon. So if we, didn't, if we don't get to your question, it's because we, we separated in for the second, second panel discussion. Uh, and one last um, uh, reminder that if you are, if you haven't already participated in Kessler Foundation's research and are interested in doing so, uh, there's a form in your packet, and there are also uh, lovely people stationed at the Kessler Foundation table out in the hallway who can take your information. So the more people who participate in our studies, the stronger our research can be. And we need healthy controls as well, um, which is always fun. I participated as a healthy control, and I did some of those cognitive neuro te neurolo neurological testing of my ability, and it was scary, I thought. I had a crisis of confidence after those, but some, Nancy and John had to talk me down from the ledge. And I'm here today with you. I survived. You can too. So we're going to spend uh, the afternoon with these two discussion panels. And the first one will focus on fatigue, 
um, which is uh, one of the common physical symptoms associated with MS, as you heard uh, this morning. So I'm honored to welcome my esteemed panel. These are my colleagues. I, I work with these three fabulous people uh, to uh, raise money to support their research. And first we have Dr. Ekaterina Dobrakova. Ekaterina, please, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so I am a research scientist at Kessler Foundation and uh, I am trained as a cognitive neuroscientist which basically means that in my research I uh, take pictures of the brains of my participants while they, they perform uh, a learning task or engage in uh, some kind of motivating um, activity um, and I'm also studying depression and fatigue um, in individuals with uh, multiple sclerosis. And uh, next to Ekaterina, we have Dr. Helen Genova. Helen, please tell us about yourself. Hi, everybody. Um, so my name is Helen Genova. I'm a senior research scientist at the Kessler Foundation. I work in the neuropsychology and neuroscience lab. And I do uh, lots of studies on people with multiple sclerosis. One of the things that I study is cognitive fatigue, so the feeling of being mentally exhausted, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And then also trying out different treatments for that, such as exercise and aquatic exercise. So we'll be discussing that during this time. And last but not least, we have Dr. Glenn Wiley. And I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm the Associate Director of the Rocco Ortensio Neuroimaging Center at um, Kessler Foundation. And uh, I use neuroimaging tools to investigate fatigue in a number of clinical populations, including folks with MS. Welcome everybody, we're glad to have you here. So, I'd like to start off by just saying, so what is fatigue? Is it just being like super tired, which happens to a lot of us all the time, or is it different? Fatigue is a normal thing that yeah, we all experience. And, um, and one way to sort of break it down, because it is kind of an elusive concept, even though maybe we all know intuitively what fatigue is, uh, it's not really easy to define in a way that we can study it. And so one way to kind of start to define it is to break it into physical fatigue, like the fatigue you feel after um, exercise or running a marathon, like a lot of exercise, um, and mental fatigue, which is the fatigue you feel after doing something mentally challenging, like your taxes. Um, <laughs> we love to do that. And there's depression, too, yes. Over they're, and over. There's a lot, they're highly correlated, <laughs> as it turns out. So if it's such an elusive and sort of vague concept, how do you guys go about studying it? Well, one way that we've um, used in, the, um, in our research, in my research, and research that I collaborate with Helen and Katya on, is um, to give people a task that's relatively challenging. Um, and it's not like it's challenging every single time they do it, but we have, some, we have them do it for like 40 minutes in a row. And then we ask them at intervals during that time how fatigued they are. And then we see where in the brain their brain activity correlates with their reports of fatigue. So you're looking at the level of the brain. What's happening in the brain while people are in the scanner doing some sort of cognitive task? Right. Yeah. Um, and what have you been finding? Uh, one thing that we've been finding pretty reliably is that there's a, a place in your brain called um, the caudate, which is in the basal ganglia, which is way deep down in the middle of your brain, um, that seems to really care about fatigue. It's really um, it's active when you're feeling more fatigued, uh, especially in MS. And um, this is an area that's associated with uh, reward and motivation. 
So we know that fatigue is a problem with MS. I, in fact, uh, a gentleman who was here this morning had to go home because he was feeling very fatigued. Uh, it's a good thing we are having the, we do have the podcast and the slide deck will be available with the podcast, by the way. Um, so what does that, having experiencing fatigue mean for people with MS? Helen, maybe you could. Sure. I mean, we talk to a lot of people with MS and we know that it's one of the cognitive fatigue, feeling mentally exhausted, is one of the primary reasons people stop working. Um, one of the reasons why people just feel like they can't go out and do the things that they used to do anymore. Um, an activity that used to be very enjoyable to them uh, may be less enjoyable or they feel that they can't do it as much because of this fatigue. So it really just impacts them all day, every day. It doesn't seem to get better with sleep. So they could wake up feeling just as exhausted as they were when they went to bed that night, uh, the night before. So it really has a huge impact on their ability to work, to be social, to do hobbies, leisure activities. It, it, it's a huge impact on their lives. So this is why you're, what, one of the reasons why you're here today. How do we, what do we do about it? So I thought we, we should uh, transition now into how do, we, how do we treat fatigue. So Ekaterina, you've been studying the use of Ritalin. Mm -hmm. uh, most of us know Ritalin as a treatment for ADHD. And so correct me, am I wrong in saying that this is the first time Ritalin has been studied uh, in an MS population? Right, so this is the first time we are conducting uh, and about to finish conducting the first clinical trial um, where we look at the effectiveness of Ritalin or um, methylphenidate um, to see if it helps um, with fatigue. So uh, before we get into what you've been finding, mm -hmm. tell, how does uh, Ritalin uh, help with other conditions, and what were the, what is the thinking then in looking at it with uh, NMS? Right. So uh, the reason why we decided to do this study um, originally uh, is because uh, there are several um, um, investigations that actually show the effectiveness of this medication uh, in reducing fatigue for individuals who have chronic fatigue syndrome or individuals with traumatic brain injury who also experience fatigue. Um, in MS, it is uh, a major problem also, so we decided to look if, um, um, if it will be helpful in MS too. And um, the way um, this medication works is basically it selectively affects uh, a particular brain chemical called dopamine. Um, yeah, so what is, uh, explain for us who don't know, what is dopamine? What so, does it do? so dopamine is one of the brain chemicals uh, in the brain. There are a lot of them uh, in our brains. And uh, basically it's a message, um, a chemical message that helps brain regions uh, communicate. And there's, and how does it end up reducing fatigue? So we think that um, because uh, Ritalin increases the amount of that brain chemical in the brain, that way it reduces uh, fatigue. Okay. So what you're saying is people with MS have reduced dopamine. Right, so that's, that's our hypothesis. Um, there is some very recent research that looks at um, dopamine, this brain chemical in general, and how um, it is related to MS in particular, uh, but we're starting with, with fatigue. And um, in my research, I am uh, finding that dopamine might indeed be involved. Um, and um, in terms of the results of this uh, clinical trial, we also think that we will find uh, positive results. We haven't looked at the results right. yet because we're still in the process of collecting the data, but um, 
Um, right, so the idea is, right, uh, Ritalin will increase dopamine, reduce fatigue, right, exactly. and we have somebody here, you've gotten some, you don't have the data analysis, but right. we've gotten feedback from participants because the study is ongoing. So what are some of the participants yes, telling you? Yes, so our participants um, swear by it that um, it, it did help them uh, with uh, fatigue. So we have somebody in the audience today, her name is Meg Balter, and she participated in Katarina's study, and she's agreed to share her experience because I think it's important to uh, hear. So Meg is up here, and Sherry is giving Meg a microphone. Thank you, Sherry. Um, so Meg, if you want to just kind of tell us about your experience in taking this drug and uh, what impact it's had on you. Okay, so I participated in the double-blind study. So uh, the one week was going to be, uh, the one month, um, I didn't know if I was on the drug or not. Then there was a washout, and then I went on it again. Of course, the second time, the second time I took it, I knew I was taking it because um, I didn't have to lie down in the middle of the day to get through my day. I didn't get out of bed feeling like I wanted to crawl back in. It made a very big difference in my life with my family. It also, um, a couple weeks down the line, um, helped my clarity. I remembered people's names a little bit better. Um, I was a little clearer. It helped my energy level immensely. Um, it did, the dose that I was taking with the study uh, was adjusted by my own doctor. Um, I had to go to my doctor and explain to my neurologist that Ritalin was going to be good for me in this study. And he's like, what? <laughs> and so I referred the site, and he did his research, and he said, okay, let's, let's give it a try. So I went on a lower dosage, so I take it twice a day, and I don't take it the second time if, I'm, if I don't need it. If I'm not going out, if I'm not being challenged, I don't take it. If I feel okay just getting through the day, I don't take it. But I do take it every morning, and I feel so much better. Um, it has really changed my life and my family's life. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. A year and a half. Okay. And I know Ritalin, there's different types of Ritalin. There's the standard release. I was on, yeah, the, I was on the 20 the milligram types. slow release, and that was the part of the study. It um, made me clean every closet in my house. <laughs> I was going mad. <laughs> and I didn't realize, I know when I should slow down because I start getting symptoms. And I didn't, I wasn't reading into that. I was so busy doing things. So I went on 10 milligrams twice a day. It's not the slow release, so I don't take the second one if I don't need it mm -hmm. or if I don't want it. But if I'm going out at night, which I rarely do, and I need to get through the night, I'll take it later on. That'll help me have a good time, go to a wedding and enjoy myself. So it's not, you know, it's a very, I think it's a great thing. I think there's a recurring theme also in what Meg said. She had to go to her doctor and, and ask for this and advocate for herself. So, and in some of the conversations that uh, John and Nancy and I had with some of you at lunch, that is an important thing uh, for you to be able to do. And I, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about that in the, in the second session. So um, thank you, Meg. Thank you. Um, now, some of us, some people with MS, might not want to add a drug like Ritalin. Uh, to their existing medical medication regimen. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some non-pharmacological treatments. So Glenn, um, and what, what can people do? There are a few fatigue? things that you can do to, um, to help with fatigue, and, and one of them Meg alluded to. Um, there are energy cons conservation techniques, so you know, the idea of um, kind of 
take not trying to get everything done in the day before you get fatigued, just sort of pace yourself, take rests, maybe take naps in the middle of the day. Um, there's that kind of thing. Um, there's sleep, making sure you get good quality sleep, because it turns out that um, MS, folks with MS have less good quality sleep than they did before they got MS. Um, and then there's also exercise. So let's break these down a little bit and go into a little bit more detail. The first thing you mentioned was energy conservation, like, like driving a Prius instead of a Lamborghini. Instead of no. a, a Trans Am. Well, how do, you how do you conserve your energy? Right, so... Practically um, speaking. Yeah, so <laughs> there, there are a few ways you, you can... You can pick a Trans Am if you, you can, like. You can do that. <laughs> Against yeah. my judgment. <laughs> Remember when Trans Ams were the best out there? That was like the coolest car. Maybe that's just... Anyway. Um, yeah, so you can, you, can do that, you can do the sort of thing where you conserve your energy and you pace yourself throughout the day, take naps. Um, like I was saying, actually, there's a pamphlet that the MS Society has, which I think we have in the back. Um, for, for different ways to conserve energy. Um, so it is a little bit like a Prius that mm -hmm. kind of banks the energy when you're going downhill. Um, yeah. And then... Any other <clears throat> techniques? There are, I'm sure, but they're not coming to me right now. Well, so, so when um, I, I talk to... When I hear Nancy talking about modified story memory take, I'm like, that's a lot of work, that imagery thing. I just have to write everything down. Right, so that, thank you. Yes, there's offloading um, stuff that you can offload, so make lists, because you don't have to actually carry around your shopping list in your head. You can make a list and keep it in your pocket. Then we don't have to worry about remembering it. Yeah, right. and then there are phones also that we can yes. use now to remind ourselves of stuff. Yeah. Phones, phones, apps, phones. Yeah. The last section, the last, um, so let's adjust Ekaterina, I think you need to move your microphone up a little yeah. higher. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> Katya is more up to date than I am. So I said make a list. <laughs> Katya said use your phone. It's, yeah. Just yeah. calendar reminders and things like that. Right. I rely on my calendar remi reminders all the time. Yeah. I yeah. usually take a picture of my shopping list because I always forget my shopping list. <laughs> usually my husband has to send me the yeah. picture of the shopping list when I'm already at the store. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm here for. Somebody help. Anyway, so you mentioned sleep. So right. we all need more sleep. I know I do. Um, but what is sleep hygiene? So, right, so um, having good sleep hygiene is important for getting good quality sleep. And um, sleep hygiene means that, you know, if you, well, let me start with bad sleep hygiene. So if you fall asleep in front of the TV in the living room uh, and you, then you stay there all night, that's not good sleep hygiene. Um, whereas if you just keep the TV out of your bedroom and you use your bedroom for sleeping in, um, then when you go in there and, and at night, your body knows, okay, it's time to go to sleep. And it turns out that you end up sleeping better. Um, so that's sleep hygiene. And so let's say somebody's doing all of those good things and they're still not feeling like they're getting good sleep. Right. Then you should, you should go to your doctor and, and see if you can get a, into a sleep study or have a sleep study done on yourself um, because it's known that folks with MS take longer to get to sleep than they did before they had MS. They take longer to get into REM sleep, which is like the most restful part of sleep, the most resty part of rest. Um, so... Have a and, sleep study done. Right, and that might be something you also need to really advocate for yourself to get done when you go to the doctor, I think, as well. So you also mentioned exercise, and, and um, Helen, 
studies exercise. We heard a little bit about it from, to start from uh, Dr. DeLuca this morning. So, um, so for people with MS, will exercising make fatigue worse? So that's a really good question. So when you think about exercise, you know, um, if somebody says to you, why don't you start exercising? And you're already feeling tired, your first thought will be, well, that's going to make me more tired. I don't want to start doing something that's going to end up um, making me even more exhausted. Um, but there's evidence to show that initially you will feel more tired. So let's say you start exercising the first day you do it, that night you're probably going to be wiped out. And then, you know, a couple days later, you try it again. Again, you're going to be tired in the evening. However, over time, if you think long term, it's eventually going to start to cause your baseline level of fatigue to reduce. And we have some um, studies going on now, and we, we finished a study where people's fatigue ratings did reduce after a 12-week exercise program. Um, so... So we have a question from, from the audience, from Rosemary, in the audience, who says, physical activity, if you do activities that make you hot, um, what, what is the impact of that? So there, are, there is concern about overheating yes. uh, for people with MS, and then there's also the issue of limited mobility. So. Absolutely. So, so that's a very good question, um, especially if your mobility is limited. Um, so one thing that you can consider doing is aquatic exercise. So this is a really wonderful thing to try, especially if you do experience um, the overheating, which makes your symptoms worse. If you look into a local YMCA, there may be classes that are held, some of them specific to, uh, for individuals with multiple sclerosis, to improve range of motion, to get physically active. One important thing to know, there have been studies done showing that once people are diagnosed with MS, they actually become less physically active. So um, getting out there and joining something like a swimming class, which keeps your body temperature low, but yet still keeps you active and engaged, is really, really helpful. And there is a social aspect, too. Yes, and that's, that's another good point. And we, we just finished up an aquatic study, and I know that we have Carla in the audience who's going to talk about it. Um, one thing, and maybe I don't know if Carla experienced this, a lot of people told us that they felt socially more engaged that there were other people with them having the same experience and, and that helped them feel more socially connected. So um, maybe Carla would like to. Yes. Yeah, so Carla, come on. Well, you're gonna get, uh, Sherry's gonna get a microphone for Carla. Sorry, I was very concerned about the microphone and thank you, Ed, for making sure we're okay and everyone can hear us all. Okay, it's weird talking in the mic, okay. so. You want me to just talk about the, the study? Yeah. What's so funny is because one of the girls here, Nancy, she's back here. Um, we were in the study together. As oh, soon wonderful. as we saw each other, we started screaming and hugging oh. because we had such a good time. Good. We connected on so many different levels um, in our own quality of life. We realized that participating in these exercises, even though it was a study, it took on a whole new dimension once the social interaction began. We, get, we began to realize we're dealing with the same thing, but we're doing it in a positive way, and we're exercising. It, we had such a good time. They even had a birthday cake for me Aww. when I left. I mean, like, such a good group. And then 
I just met another, she was in the study before me, and she goes, Carla, I know you. She goes, they talk about you, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, sounds like family, right? <laughs> yes. But it was such a good experience, and you learn so many things from that study that you adapted into your own life, whether you realize it or not. The exercises we learned in the pool, you can use on ground. So even though the study was finished, you found yourself uh, being more active, participating more, and adapting those exercises that you learned in the pool in your everyday life. I still do those exercises every day, even though I'm not in the pool participating. So it was just, a, I was so privileged, so happy to be part of the study. Oh, thank and, you, so much. you know, again, I adapted it into my lifestyle. I love doing the studies. I, I, everybody who has talked to me, because the thing is with the study, you, you realize that when you're taking the studies, I, I say sometimes it's like my own personal crossword puzzle. I'm actively engaged. My brain is actively engaged in participating with these studies. Whatever questions are you going to have. I was in one of your studies because I have it right in front of me. And <laughs> you, so your brain, while you're getting quizzed and taking the whatever test with the numbers, like three numbers, and add the two numbers and do all that. And then I remember the thing, that one. Okay, yes. how many, name the furniture, one or, how many animals. And so every time you're like, I could do it, I could do it, I got it, okay, sure. And then you take the MRI, and sometimes you're taking a quiz in the MRI. And you're taking, you're sitting, hitting the buttons, you're looking at this, and every, you're challenging yourself. And then you realize, and not only am I challenging myself, but this is going to be good for, the, the main thing is it's going to be good for the future, for people to learn, for you guys to do the studies, then to incorporate the rehabilitation. Because it's really about rehabilitation. Because even though we're, you know, limited or disabled, we still have a quality of life to put forward. And participating in these studies just only exemplifies that. Absolutely. So, well, thank you okay. so much. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. So, Carla clearly is really excited and motivated to um, to uh, participate in our research, and that actually is a really nice segue. And we didn't even ask you to to say those things <laughs> to talk about what uh, Ekaterina studies, which is motivation, the link between motivation and fatigue. So. Um, Right? Most things that we yeah. all actually get up and want to get out of bed are motivated by something. So, yes. So um, on the brain level, actually motivation and fatigue are uh, the two concepts um, that are also related to that brain chemical that I previously mentioned, uh, dopamine. So um, in terms of how can we increase the amount of dopamine in the brain without the medication, well, this is indeed about finding something that is personally and subjectively valuable um, to, to you specifically. For example, participating in research, as Carla mentioned, for someone the motivation might be, oh, helping the greater good and improving rehabilitation outcomes and rehabilitation research in general, or um, engaging your own brain and trying to um, uh, increase your own engagement. So, right, and um, the, uh, the, you tell us a little bit more in detail about the, the ongoing study you have in right. that Carla participated okay. in. Okay, yes, so um, in one of my studies, um, I used um, money to motivate people um, for, <laughs> for, for most of, the, for most of us. Right? Money? This money? is a very strong driver, and for research, you usually need something. It makes the um, world go round? 
it makes the world go round. Yes, and uh, research too, uh, but also, <laughs> but also, this is a very strong um, stimulus to that, that a lot of people are excited about, and and we, you need that in order to accumulate uh, accumulate evidence. So should we send everyone uh, with fatigue to Atlantic City and somehow <laughs> increase the odds for them so right. that we can? Well. Um, Yes, even though that might cause gambling problems, <laughs> but um, but um, in in the study where I used money, um, we did um, find that um, when people are presented with this motivating stimuli, they also report less fatigue, and that's again bringing us back to um, the to that brain chemical dopamine. So when you win something and when you anticipate something pleasant, you have this uh, this release of dopamine in the brain, um, and uh, we detected that that's related to um, less fatigue uh, in that current moment. Um, of course, it's not specifically about money. It's again about finding something personally relevant for you, something that you're motivated about and you would like to go and do and um, maybe put fatigue sort of on the back burner. If maybe it's a social event and you feel lazy and fatigued and you don't really feel like communicating with people, but for example, you're going with your partner and it will make your partner really happy, maybe you can try and use that as a motivating stimulus to actually um, something that makes you go to that to that event. So for each of you, before we get to uh, open it up to the floor and get to um, questions, I'd like to cover uh, where do you see the research on fatigue going, next steps uh, in general, and then for each of you uh, for your own research in particular. So Glenn, let's uh, start with you. So one thing that, that um, we've been starting to look at is the relationship between physical fatigue and mental fatigue um, because that, it's not really known whether physical fatigue is its own separate thing and relies on different brain areas than mental fatigue. And so we've started to look at that and uh, it looks like it relies on, on the, same, the same network. Um, so one of the things that I use in my research is neuroimaging and it's really interesting to look at the brain and then look at it after someone does something like exercise or um, some sort of a treatment to see how the brain changes in response to treatment. So I really think what will be interesting in the future in this research on fatigue is to try out some of these techniques, aquatic exercise, exercise, but to do imaging before and after and see if we can not only detect changes in the level of fatigue, but also at the level of the brain. And Ekaterina. Uh, so in, uh, in my studies, I will be using performance feedback instead of money. You can also use performance feedback. Uh, which is what do you mean? Yeah, so, so basically, um, <coughs> praise can be interpreted as performance feedback. If you get an A on a test, that's performance feedback that makes you happy. Um, and um, we sort of encounter that more than winning a lottery or playing slot machine in the Atlantic City, right? So. Um, in, in my current study, I'm looking at how, um, um, whether receiving this performance feedback uh, on a, a cognitive test, um, whether that reduces, uh, reduces fatigue. 
So we have a question here that says, what can be done for fatigue? Uh, if I focus for too long, I get more and more tired. Uh, and too long was defined here, and the question is three to four hours. I would be very tired if I focused on one thing or focused for three to four hours. So, but um, I think there, if, if there's something we want to cover with that one, and then we can also open up. For those of you who have questions, raise your hands and we'll get to those. <coughs> so, I think breaks, uh, breaks are good. Look at Facebook, look at Twitter, and then go back, go back to the task, right? Yes. <laughs> Taking breaks, pacing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think, yeah, our general, when we read that question, we thought, well, three to four hours is a long time yeah. to focus uh, on anything. So that was our, our, the general consensus of the panel when we, when we read that question. There, there is some research, actually, from education. Mm -hmm. um, and now professors in colleges, they also try to reframe the lecture format uh, in colleges because our prime attention span is basically 15 minutes. And then we, we, need, something, we need something else. That's why you have a commercial break every 15 mm -hmm. minutes. <laughs> and is, is there anything that says our, our, that attention span is decreasing as technology uh, becomes more parents say that. Yes, and that's it. <laughs> and the parent. <laughs> okay, so we have a question back here. Oh, yes, I have a question. The lady that was taking Ritalin, did you have any side effects from that? No, outside of the first time when I was taking too much and I was doing too much. Um, no. I don't have any side effects from the Ritalin at all. I, I do the exercise, I, I rest, I still do everything that I was doing, but with much less effort. I, I have energy, I want to go do things, like we say, we want to mm -hmm. go and have fun, you want to be around people. You get to do that without dragging yourself. You know? But Meg, could you just repeat the first part about getting the dose right? Because I don't think everyone heard that. Um, did I have any side effects from the Ritalin? No. Outside of the first time that I was on the higher dose of slow release, and I went to a lower dose, I was much better. And like I said, I don't always take it the second time of the day. And there are days that I really don't even need to take it. But it's there for me. And most times in the morning, I do take it. Because we all know getting out of bed sometimes is the hardest part of the day. So <laughs> thank you. All right, so there's a question in the back of the room here, questions over here. And when, we, when someone has the mic, just, uh, yeah, just ask away, because there's only two. Hi. Um, Hi. OK, so I, I will stand up so you can see me. Um, I've had MS for 22 years. I'm a runner. Um, thankfully, I'm healthy in terms of that. Um, my question is kind of on dopamine versus endorphins. Um, what? Oh, sorry. Um, can you have a shortage of that also? So when I run, I don't get endorphins like I don't feel like I do I don't get like a runner's high I don't get that feeling that other people say they they have when they've gone on a long run and they've gotten past mm -hmm. something where they can keep running I've never in 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 all the time of my running and, and I started running um, uh, after I was diagnosed with MS it's my form of getting rid of my anxiety and tension and whatever so but I've never ever had that and I can't explain it and as you're talking about these other things it's starting to make me think that maybe that's why I lack those and if there's anything I can do for that and if you have a study on something like that I'd be more than happy to be part of it. <laughs> I, uh, as far as I remember the, those two brain chemicals are related and endorphins are sort of like an after 
um, it's related to the dopamine, but it's sort of uh, is processed from the dopamine. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I might see how it might be related, but I'm not able to say anything specific. Okay. All right. You should Thank try Ritalin and see if you get. I, let me tell you, I that yeah that might. I be, wrote it down and I underlined it three times. Yes, 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 yes. No, that might be the possible solution. But talk to your doctor. Don't talk to us. I will. Thank you. No, I just, I was just as you were talking about it, I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, maybe that is why. And you know. Yes. Anyway, thank so you. So we have a question, a couple questions on this side, but we have the mic over here. So let's do that, and let's move this mic over there. Thank you. Yeah, I have that same question about Ritalin. Uh, wow, that's not, that would be a great story. Why is it that I, I've never really heard about it? I've had the disease for about 20 years myself. Is it not well known for, for use? What's the difference between Adderall also? Um, Adderall is a different brain chemical. Again, they are related. It's also a stimulant. Um, in terms of, I think why not a lot of uh, doctors also know about it is because um, it's, um, it's available off-label now and some doctors just don't prescribe it right. as, as much, but it's mostly known for ADHD and narcolepsy. And that's the FDA label, so I think a lot of research just stopped because of that, because people are not as interested, or like researchers are not as interested, or maybe pharmacological companies are not as interested um, in, um, um, in that medication. Uh, but really? be be because we, well, so in my research I gathered a lot of literature um, on that specific medication in other populations. I'm not sure why in MS that wasn't done. And I was actually quite surprised myself when I started um, applying for funding to start uh, this investigation. You know, was, I, I actually, I couldn't yeah. believe it. You know? As I said, it was the first time, which is surprising. But yes, it is an off-label use of the drug, so. That would be quite a, that would be great. I'm shocked because I've seen a bunch of doctors, nobody's ever Adderall they've mentioned, mm. but not Ritalin. Mm. If they're in the same family, that's weird. Mm. So we have somebody here saying, uh, so John DeLuca is saying that Adderall can be addictive, so that might be another thing. Another reason why Ritalin would be Maybe. a better option. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, I take modafinil mm -hmm. when I need it. I suffer from more and more muscle fatigue, not cognitive fatigue. I know it's muscle fatigue because I have a lot of energy early in the morning. I'm in the gym, in the pool, six days a week doing leg exercises. But there comes a time, the three o'clock slump comes earlier and earlier, and the only thing that helps is getting off my feet. So the modafinil is good for being outgoing, friendlier to people. Otherwise, that's not me at all. But it, it does not help the muscle fatigue. So the question, I guess, is whether methylphen uh, like Ritalin would help? I, what are the options? With, with, my, with, um, 
what other options? Have you tried, have you, tr well, a nap is something that at that time, at when you feel that slump and you take a nap, does that, yeah, that ever Yeah, very help? good, but if you're in ShopRite, you can't take a nap. And if you try to, you have to bring your groceries in too, and it's gotten so bad I can't even go up two steps. I have to lift my leg. Well, you, you could ask your doctor if Ritalin might help, and you could see if, you could test it and out. And I would not take Ritalin, I do not think I would take it. Maybe increasing the dose of modafinil and, and maybe increasing the dose of modafinil or playing with that. Then it keeps you up. If you take it like at 3 o'clock, you're up at night. I, I mean, related to the energy conservation, it might be something where you could try to plan your day around so if you were to exercise uh, no, I'm sorry if you were to go shopping earlier in the morning when I'm you had I'm in the gym you're in the gym in the morning sure sure absolutely I think that's the only answer you have to pay pace yourself as we pace said yourself. earlier yes. yes absolutely. and you just have to if you can't do everything right. in the same area that one day you just have to yes. right maybe the day yes. that we're for gas right. and time and absolutely. everything and go the next day or the next right. day. and I don't think that that's a bad thing I think that you need to listen to your yourself and listen to your body and not be hard on yourself if you need a break you take a break so that's the only way to do it without yeah. medication I would say, you have I mean, to listen to your body listen to yeah. your body and, and don't be hard on yourself don't say oh I can't even lift my leg Okay, so you go to exercise tomorrow, or you know there are now um, uh, delivery services for groceries. I you know why you add why add another thing to your right. life that is going to exhaust you when you can save that energy for being with your friends or with your family? You know, take it easy on yourself is what I would say. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Um, I just wanted as a comment to uh, the gentleman's question in the back of the room about the Adderall. I actually take Adderall, and actually not on a regular basis because of some of the, you know, just my idea of like I don't want to take too many drugs. I take it when I feel I need it, and so it's similar to what you mentioned. Is it being time released? As far as it's, for mm -hmm. what I've noticed for me is that it's for a certain period. And they did recommend I can take two, you know, similar to what you do, but I don't. Um, but I do notice that if I take it in the morning, it will stop about probably like one o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock. But I try not to take another because on the rare occasions when I do, I still will feel it in the evening and I don't have that natural tiredness to go to sleep. Right. So it does work. Um, and I do feel like an extra, you know, amount of focus and clarity. So I do like it, but I don't take it regularly because me, I just feel as if, you know, I'm taking, you know, uh, all my MS drugs, everything else that I take. I don't want to take too many, but I can, and it, I don't think it's addictive, you know, like Dr. Um, Deluca mentioned, um, but I find it okay. Do we have the microphone over here somewhere? Yes. Yes. Um, I was always of the opinion that uh, the amount of dopamine or the lack of dopamine causes depression. And um, you said that the Ritalin can reduce fatigue. Does that have to do with the amount of dopamine? Does it help raise the dopamine? 
Right, so this is our working hypothesis that, um, you're right, it's also related to depression. Um, and the, the idea is that maybe, um, well, with depression, it's, it, it's also probably reduced dopamine. But our working hypothesis that with fatigue, it's also reduced dopamine. So the, with dopamine, it's, um, it's a funny brain chemical because you really need, um, it needs to be ba balanced. So if it's too much or too little, then there will be problems. Problems, yeah. Either depression or fatigue. Um, um, the probably the most um, known um, disease that we associate with dop dopamine is actually Parkinson's disease, and um, a lot of people are on dopaminergic medication. But the side of is the side effect of it is actually people go gambling, oh. or they use sort of uh, manic. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So it, it is indeed all about the dosage and the balance which will be um, determined and has to be determined on a case-by-case -case basis by, by a doctor. On, on the same thought of, of that, um, with the Ritalin, taking it when you feel you need it, not taking it, are there any side effects? I guess it depends on the dosage, but there are there any long-term side effects like certain um, medication that treats the dopamine, um, I can't remember the name of it, can cause tardive dys dyskinesia if taken too long like or... Like levodopa, yeah. Um, the primary side effect, I would say, is that it, it can cause insomnia. So that's why usually people are suggested to take it at the beginning of the day or like before 2, 2 p.m. Uh, time frame. Another side effect is uh, clean closets, I think Meg said. Yeah. <laughs> Over here. Yes, I have a question. Um, I'm concerned with the serotonin levels and depression and Ritalin, the combination, and how that might affect. Uh, I know many of us suffer from depression, but it could be from serotonin. And so we take medications to increase that in our mm -hmm. systems. How does the Ritalin then work in coordination, or would the Ritalin work on its own? to therefore work on the serotonin levels in the depressive brain? Again, they are related. Um, and the, the doctor, so the neurologist, will be able to tell you how, how the, 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 about the drug interaction. Um, as far as I remember, for our study, uh, uh, specifically for this clinical trial, we were trying not to... Um, to avoid this kind of drug interactions because they are certainly possible. But even in terms of depression, even though the primary medication um, is um, surgenergic medication, um, for, for some individuals, they, are, they will be more sensitive and more receptive to dopaminergic medication. So, but again, I think that would be the discretion of the neurologist to see if there, is, there are specific drug interactions with a specific SSRI that you're taking and whether you can add um, Ritalin. Or maybe Ritalin will be um, the medication that will be able to help both with fatigue and depression. Well, that was my question. Did you have any studies on that? On, uh, following depressive 
people through using Ritalin? Or was it just fatigue? There might be studies with major depressive disorder with the use of um, some... I'm, I'm not sure whether it's Other specific Ritalin. We have, right, we haven't done any studies on looking at Ritalin in depression with MS. It was focused on fatigue. Okay, that's, that's that was my question. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's so a good I, question. And, yeah. and um, you know, certainly neurologists tend to think of these things as levers, and you can pull down the serotonin lever and make that mm -hmm. better, and then you can pull down the dopamine lever, lever and you can make that better. But in reality, it's a really interactive um, system and very complex, and so uh, it turns out to be a really difficult question to answer. Um, so it's a good question, and, and I wish we could give you a better answer, but yeah. Be sure and stop by our Facebook page to listen to this podcast series and join in the conversation at our Twitter channel at KesslerFDN. To learn more about our research, go to KesslerFoundation.org. That's www dot dot